morning again. I don't know about you, but I'm done for church today. Because when you get to experience the reason that we gather as a family of faith, when you get to be a part of the journey of someone else in them coming to know the Lord and then being obedient to the Lord in baptism and then being able to know that when they have committed their heart to the Lord and you know what they've walked through to get to that point and you're a part of celebrating that with them personally, that's just nothing greater. So for me, I'm ready to go to lunch. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, I'm ready to go celebrate because um, I know that what we just participated in as a church family with Chris is the real deal. Um, here's the thing. So many times in our journey, even as Christians in this world, we get lost in all of the stuff. We get lost in the noise. We get lost in the news. We get lost in our own personal challenges that we forget that life here is so important to use well for Jesus to impact someone else's eternity. We forget that really the reason we come to church is not just to stay warm on a cold day um, and not just to measure how much we like the music that day or not or, or how good did the preacher do that day um, or to make sure that we did everything according to protocol. That's not why we go to church. Let me be very clear with you today. The business of the church is the great commission of Jesus Christ, period. The business of the church is for people to live on mission with Jesus to change their world. My, my thought for you this morning, um, as we go into a couple of more moments of celebration, um, as we talk about an area of commitment for Christians. So today I'm going to talk to you um, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus. I'm going to talk to you as the church about an area of life that genuinely, practically, if you participate in this in your life, you will see God redeem your time. Promised. Guaranteed. And I'm going to talk to you about that as Christians today, as followers of Jesus. But the reason you're going to do, or you would commit to what we talk about in just a moment, is because it means that you, in some capacity, are actively participating in the great commission of Jesus... To be able to lead men and women, boys and girls, to a saving relationship with the Son of God. There's nothing greater in your life that you will ever accomplish. It's not the size of your bank account, your company, your accomplishments, your job, your following, your friendships. If you walk through life and you never lead anyone actively to a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have spent your 50, 60, 70, 80 years spinning, but not accomplishing something eternal. When we see what we just saw a minute ago, that is a testimony to you as a church, to even one of the families here in the church, to make sure that the most important thing happens, and that is helping men and women, boys and girls, students come to know Jesus. That's what changes a heart, changes a life, changes eternity. And we celebrate that today. Now this morning, um, so I could go home, but I know you came to get the rest of the story, right? So we're going to continue. And I want to celebrate a few things with you um, this morning. I want to I show you the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people. You, during a couple of incredibly challenging years here at Calvary and in New Orleans and in the world. 
And I want to show you even some details on this last year where we really worked through the impact and the damage of the hurricane from 2001, uh, 2020, also this past year, 2021, and we still have made progress. You notice this morning, for those of you who weren't here last week, we have new floors, we have a new roof, we have new things happening. This back hallway, we've had some damage taken out, that's being repaired. And all of that happens because God's people are faithful. I want to celebrate some accomplishments in 2021. And specifically, I want to talk to you about giving because if we look at God's faithfulness from where he's brought us, then we can trust in God's faithfulness for where he's going to take us. That is so true in your life. If you look at God's faithfulness in what he brought you through, then you know you can trust him now because of where he's going to take you. This principle very specifically applies to people who trust God, who are part of his church, part of his family, and they receive something that everybody else doesn't receive. And I think it's pretty amazing to look at it this morning. Let's celebrate a couple of things real quick. Number one, I want you to see that in 2021, this will blow your mind, we finished our books, we wrapped everything up, and in 2021, you'll see that this year the total giving of income in 2021, the second part of a pandemic experience was $1.228952 million here at Calvary. Yeah, I think that's pretty phenomenal. $1,228,952 of giving this past year or resource that came through Calvary that would help us even in the midst of pandemics and hurricanes. Now, immediately when you see that, you celebrate like me. That is the faithfulness of God. And when you look at that, you go, gosh, that church is rich. <laughs> they don't need my help. Well, here's what's fascinating. What I know about that number is that it happened through people who gave faithfully, but weren't the most wealthy people in our region, our city, or our world. It was people who believed in the principle that we're going to talk about in just a moment. It was people who said, I'm going to be obedient to God, even in the midst of pandemics and challenges, because I believe something about him. And so they did that. As a part of that giving, I want you to see part of how it breaks down. So some of that um, was people on the outside of Calvary who thank you for being faithful. Um, some of that was people that you wouldn't even know that rarely ever sit in this room, and yet they believe in the mission of God here in New Orleans and specifically through this church. Um, it breaks out in some pretty cool ways, though. I want you to see this. Part of this year, as we go to our next slide, part of this year was our building campaign. So a lot of what we started to do in last year in May was to fulfill a vision that a core group of people here at Calvary had to refresh our house, to rebuild our house. That vision was being put together in the first year of the pandemic. Right before the pandemic hit, there was a core leadership team here deeply involved in planning to help everybody in the church find their place and commit to help this church refresh their walls, refresh their house, and commit to the next chapter of life here at Calvary. And then we had a pandemic. And throughout that whole pandemic, everybody's processing, what do we do? What do we, 
What do we do? How do we protect ourselves, protect our family, protect our jobs, protect your income, protect those you love, protect the church? We're shut down. We're open. We're shut down. We're open. And all of this stuff is happening. And in the midst of that, God spoke to my heart. And you would say, by the way, um, on a leadership strategy paradigm and dialogue, you would say, this would be the horrible time, Pastor, to do this. But God spoke to my heart and said, that vision that we had prior to COVID, we must execute it and we must do it now. So in May, this past May of 2021, we had a pledge day. A pledge day where we gave a one-time gift to be able to help the work get moving, to help us now fix the first set of damage with a hurricane, but also accomplish the goal of refreshing our house. We had a goal, and so we set a giving day to do that. And on that giving day, this was May, we raised a little over $130,000. $130,000 in May. What's that number up there today? $244,000 in just a very short period of time in the midst of a pandemic. That was given for us to refresh our house as we're doing right now by people both in the room. Some of you are committed to it. And some of you um, have joined us from a family from afar and you've been a part of that. So I think that also deserves a bit of celebration. Out of that $1.2 million, that much was giving to our building. What you're going to see if you're doing the math like me and you're paying attention to this is we made a commitment to take care of and fix our house. And so a lot of our giving this year out of that total number, if you're processing, you're going, okay, yeah, what we did is some people moved giving from a budgetary point and they gave above and beyond to a building uh, building point. And some people were faithful in both, in both the tithe and the offering. And yet you see, God was faithful in that. We're not broke today. We're not shut down. We're continuing to move forward. And I want you to see what else has been pledged. Not only did we give this over the three-year commitment when we started the program, this was back in May. There was also an additional $203,854 pledge to pay for approximately a half million dollar renovation to this campus. That half million dollar, by the way, I want to say thank you to our faithful friend Carrie O'Connor and our contractor that has helped us out here at Calvary by navigating this. Because even with, even with a couple of hurricanes and some damage, he's held that project to right over $500,000. He's held it right there in navigating and helping this church, his church, this church family be able to move forward through this. So if you look at the numbers, a little over right now, and you'll get the update on this as we finish every piece of construction. Right now, a little over a half million dollar project has been accomplished. You saw previously 200, almost 244, $250,000 has been given already. $200,000 has been pledged over the next two years. Do you realize when you begin to do the math, that in the midst of pandemics, shutdown, pain, challenges, we committed to do something as a church to stay on mission for Jesus, and we almost have it paid for? Is your math ringing up like mine is? The reality is God's faithfulness to people who commit to tithing and offerings and giving to the Lord and being plugged in and helping people come to know Jesus, God just blesses that. 
God just blesses people who do that. And I want to say thank you for all of you who have committed to being a part of that. You understand the principle for the house of faith and how God blesses tithes and offerings. That's a great picture of it. So with that being said, um, what we've done in wisdom is we had a budget that we had set at the beginning of 2020. And of course, we all know what happened in 2020. So we froze that for 2021. We thought we'd all be out of the woods in 2021, right? And yet, here we go, more challenges, et cetera, in 2021. So what we've done uh, in consultation with our leadership team and our deacons have approved this, we're going to freeze our budget again for 2022 as we navigate our way out of the woods, out of the stuff. And we're going to freeze it and commit to our budget again, which you will see our budget just so that you know the total amount for our budget, this slide will show you that our total budget for 2022 is, this is like a game show, you know, you're like, it's not there. All right. They're like, whoa, whoa. You can get a copy of it in the back if you would like it. It's at the table. All right. So we made sure they were prepared not only digitally, but practically if you like to touch it. We've kept everything the same. And I want you to see this. There is a reality that a lot of the giving went to our facility. And thank you for doing that. But we still have ministry dollars that we must use for missions, which this past week sat down with one of our local missionaries, uh, Corey Olivier. Many of you will know him. And, and we looked at his budget together and, and they're like, gosh, we took a, we took a cut this year because everybody's challenged. And I'm like, Corey, we're going to stand with you. There's something about being able to commit and being able to say, I'm not going to go backwards. But I'm going to move forward. There's something about God blessing people who say, I'm going to move forward by doing the right thing. And our budget is a reflection of that. We're not backing up. We're going to keep it the same as we prepare to dig our way, continue out of this, and move forward. So you'll see our budget's the same, a little over $1.1 million when you go and look at it. Pretty fascinating. Fascinating God's faithfulness and his provision. This morning, as we talk about it, how can, how can you personally experience the blessing of God on your life and recognize that God's faithfulness in the past and his provision in your present is a sign of what he can do for you in the future when you participate with your tithes and your offerings. Today, that's what I want to talk about. Very simply, tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings, um, and I realize like every church has to talk about this at some point in time. And, and I want to be clear with you very, very quickly, right up front. Tithes and offerings is not about money. Matter of fact, if, if you went there immediately and went, oh, here's the Sunday where they talk about the money, then you're missing the business of the church and you're missing the business of God's work in your life. Tithes and offering is not about money. Tithes and offering is about your heart and your relationship to God, period. That principle is true from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the conclusion. It's actually present. The principle of giving to God what belongs to Him through the tithe, which tithe stands for a tenth, and your offering, which stands for something above your tithe to give to the Lord. Your tithes and offering, it is a barometer of your relationship to God and how much you trust him with what he's entrusted to you. Here's the life lesson today, the principle that I want to share with you. And we're going to look through this wonderful passage that many of you know. And you go, oh man, it's always that passage. Malachi chapter 3. 
But Malachi chapter 3 has a promise for you. And I found something that I had never seen before in Malachi chapter 3. So I want to share that with you today as well. Here's the principle, the life lesson. If I really want to redeem the time, if I want to redeem my life, I want to make sure that I'm active in God's work, then I redeem the time in how I honor God with my tithes and my offerings. I redeem the time in how I honor God with my tithes and my offerings. Tithes and offerings are a reflection of how much I really trust him with what he's entrusted to me. Everything that you have, that I have, that we have as people, God has entrusted that to us. We have a choice with what he's entrusted to us. We can say, God, I'm going to be a good steward of what you've given me. Or, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to take the blessings that I have in my life. I'm going to use them for myself. I mean, I need them all to survive anyway, so I'm going to do it my way. And there's something about those who say, no, God's given this, and I'm going to honor him by giving him sacrificially from my heart with joy a portion back that he's asked for to show him, hey, I'm in the game with you. I'm committed to honoring you. Redeeming the time, yes, it begins with your relationship with God. We talked about that. So if you're setting goals for yourself in 2022, your relationship with God personally, it always begins there. We've talked about together this reality that redeeming the time means I have to have a vision for my life. I have to have a sense of faith or direction. God, this is what you've spoken to me, where I'm headed, what I want to do. So I believe in that. I commit to that. I have a vision for it that you've placed in my heart and you go after it. That redeems the time. Today's a very simple, practical one, and I'll share with you another one next week, but today's a very simple, practical one. If you, in your life, commit to honoring God with your tithes and your offerings off of the resource that he's entrusted to you, then you are going to see him bless your life, period. It's a promise. And that's how we can redeem the time in honoring him with what he's entrusted to us. The Bible says this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. Well, that's good to know. God doesn't change, right? That's good news for us. So you, the people of God, the descendants of Jacob, you are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that good? God says, when you actively in your life make a decision, return to me, says the Lord, then I will return to you. That's, we've witnessed that this morning in a picture of, in Chris's life. He turned to the Lord, the Lord turned to him, and God's blessing his life. It's a great journey of faith that he's on. Many of you, you can echo the same thing. When you turned to the Lord and you trusted him, you saw him turn to you and things begin to work in a way they've never worked before. They ask this question. We ask, how are we to return? That's a good question. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And the prophet says this, in tithes and offerings... 
You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Here's verse 10. Many of you, this is a life principle for you, and you know that in the economy of God, this has always worked. You know in the economy of God, he's always done this. This is a lesson that you learned perhaps as a child, you as parents, grandparents, you practice this. But you know what's happening is there's a whole generation that's coming up that doesn't believe this at all. And a pandemic has actually pushed it even further down the road now. We don't have it or we don't believe it or... Now there's even less that people believe in this principle. But here's the principle. Bring the whole tithe. How much? The whole tithe. Not a fraction. The whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Now watch this. Test me in this. You only get this a couple of times in Scripture. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test unless he tells you to. <laughs> and here he actually says, test me in this. Test me in what, says the, or, the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the old the, the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, the people around you, they will call you blessed. For yours will be a de delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now this passage comes in a prophecy, Malachi being the prophet, delivering it to God's people. And God's people wonder why nothing's working. Why it doesn't work for them? What's, what's going wrong in our personal lives? What's going wrong in our nation? And basically the prophet goes through this long speech, because Malachi, basically, the book of Malachi that you have is a speech, and he basically begins to answer their questions. Here's the thing that I discovered in reading chapter 3 that I just have missed before. Why did Malachi start talking about the people of God robbing God and not giving tithes and offerings? Why is that there? Well, it's interesting because perhaps you've said this, or maybe you've felt this, or maybe you know someone that thinks this way, is shared this way, and maybe this might be descriptive of you even right now. The people of God said, what good is it? What does it matter if I tithe or if I don't? What does it matter if I give to the work of the Lord and His temple or the church, or if I don't? It doesn't matter. Now, you would never say that, would you? You would never think that, would you? You would never think, oh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just the church. Oh, they got plenty. Oh, it's, God just always provides, so it doesn't matter if I'm personally obedient to the tithe and offering or not. You never would have said that. Well, actually, <laughs> research shows that in the churches across the land... And in people's generosity, especially during the pandemic, it's dropped to less than 5%. People giving, actually, across the land, their generosity has dropped even more in the last two years. Fascinating. What difference does it make? It doesn't matter. That's Old Testament, perhaps, some would say. Well, that's 
Old Testament. That's God. We, in, the New Test, in the New Testament, we'll just be generous. So here's 10 cents. <laughs> I mean, I can afford 10 cents, but I can't afford $10, right, off of my 100. I'm not going to give $10 out of my 100 when I can just give 10 cents because it's fine. It doesn't matter. The people of God were thinking the same thing in the day of Malachi. Isn't that fascinating? Have you ever thought that? Now, don't raise your hands, right? Those of you online, you can, unless you're around people and you don't want to embarrass yourself, right? But no, you, you wouldn't think that, would you? And Malachi actually helps the people that were thinking that then, and perhaps maybe you do think that today. He was helping them realize, listen, this is about you. This is about your faith, your relationship, and watch this, your blessing. This is one of those moments where your faith is active and practical in your world to say, God, my relationship with you is real. And one of the most practical, tangible, easy, easy ways that I can reflect my relationship with you is to give of my tithes and offerings. Think about it. How is it easy is it for you to walk into your business place and tell all your coworkers or into your place on social media and tell all of your friends, you need to get right with Jesus. <laughs> Many of you go, I'd lose my job, right? Or I'd lose my friends, or I'd lose my influence, right? That's a lot of people. What about in your recreational pursuits or in the lifestyle that you live? How easy is it for a lot of people to go, you know, now I'm going to live like a Christian. <laughs> no, usually you want to live like a Christian in church. And then you want to live like someone else out there in the world, right? I mean, that's the reality that many people live. When it comes to your tithes and offerings, who knows about it? Who knows about it? You and God. Now, you can say, well, I know y'all are going to send us that statement so I can use this on the taxes at the end. You're right. And that's all held in the strictest confidentiality and that's a part of living in a land that allows us to do that currently you as faithful people but other than that I mean yeah the IRS might know about it if they audit you right but most people don't pay attention to that who knows in your faith whether or not you're trusting God with the resource he's entrusted him and if he knows whether or not you're trusting him with the tithes and offering, and therefore he's the one that rewards faithfulness. Oh my goodness. This equation just got real interesting, didn't it? I did a little morbid research. This is just interesting. But um, looking at some of the top people in our world who give to charity, just charity, generally speaking. <laughs> there are people in this church who with their tithes and offerings, blue-collar, hard-working, God-fearing people who gave last year more than the top people leading our country. What? It's public record. You just want to know for interesting fact and interesting detail. There are people who are working hard for a living, who trusted God with a tenth of their income and gave more than the top people leading our country. 
if that doesn't grip you to realize that our world doesn't understand the principle that people are just better off when they trust God with their resource than when they don't. That God can do a lot better job solving our problems than a government entity can. And that when we trust him privately with what he's entrusted to us in our life, he has a way of making that go further, extending it farther in our life, blessing us more because it really is a reflection of our relationship with him. That's what Malachi was trying to get across to the people of God then who said, well, what does it matter? <laughs> well, it matters when you see that it matters to you because that's what God blesses. Here, here are some lessons that I take away from Malachi's message. Number one, when I think about redeeming the time and how I honor God with my tithes and offerings, here's the first thing I have to remember. He, our God, Malachi says, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the maker, believe in him, don't believe in him. Follow him, don't follow him. It doesn't matter. It's who he is and it's what he's going to do. He is constant. He is constant. The world's not constant. Our leaders are not constant. <laughs> we as people are not constant. He's constant. What does constant mean? Well, first of all, constant means he doesn't change. The Bible even tells us, I, the Lord, I do not change. So people change, times change, symptoms, situations, culture, it changes. God never changes. He's constant. He doesn't move. He doesn't bend. He doesn't break. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He's not one of those who says, oh, well, since everybody voted to do it this way, I think I'll go that direction, right? There are instances in Scripture where you will see he relents, which means that in his spirit, he's grieved that people won't follow his way, which is the best way. And therefore, he allows them to experience what's going to happen to them anyways. That's what happens. But he doesn't change. He's not just on a whim, on an emotion, on a moment, changing his mind. He, does, he doesn't only um, stay the same by not changing. He also keeps his promises. It's very important. I, the Lord, I do not change, which means he's a constant. He's not going to change his mind. If he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that on your bad days, God isn't saying, well, they're out of here. <laughs> Strike them down. I mean, I know that none of you ever have a bad day, right? Or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year. But if you did, isn't it good to know that God's still with you, still loves you, still has you saved if you've put your faith in Christ and he's not going to abandon you. Isn't that good news? Why is that? Because he never breaks a promise. That's very important for the people of God to know before he even gets to the money because Malachi is trying to tell them, look, he doesn't change his mind. Circumstances, situation, world powers, all that, he doesn't change. And if he makes a promise to you, guess what? He's going to keep it. So before he ever gets to the promise that he makes on the blessing that he's going to get to them, he reminds them of character first and foremost. And character is very important because when you think about what happens between you and God that only you and God know... That's a sign of character, a sign of the character of your faith, a sign of the character of how much I trust him, believe in him, and know that he's going to bless that. This 
is a reality when I think about how to honor God with what he's entrusted to me through my tithes and offerings as a person. Because if I know that he's constant, he doesn't change, and he keeps a promise, then I know that when he asks me to be obedient with this, and I trust him with it, that he's going to do something in my life, not only in the church's life, but in my life personally, to honor that because it's a very private expression of my faith, but it's very active. It's very tangible. It's very real because I'm saying, God, here you go. And I realize that in your lives, in my life, uh, as people so many times we go, gosh, I just got a gift of X or I earned Y and I need all of that. I mean, I got this many kids and I got this one in this school and this one in college and the IRS is coming up later on in this spring semester and they're going to take X, Y, and Z from you, right? And yeah, all of that happens. But when you bring to God who promises and who doesn't change what he said, now trust me with this, then there's something about his economy that just allows you to be blessed. The promise comes first before the action comes later. Did you catch that? God gives them the promise. I'm not going to change on this. This is who I am. I'm promising you. And then he goes into the action. Here's the other thing that stands out to me about this passage. I learn in redeeming the Lord with my resource that it's not only because he's constant. I also realize that he knows me. God knows us. He knows us. Your tithes and offering are a very private expression toward God of you giving to him what he's given to you. And he knows that. Here's what I love about the reality that God knows that. Now, this isn't like big brother IRS looking over your shoulder going, did you report that income or did you not? God's not going to do that. The IRS does not want to bless you. They want to steal from you. <laughs> That's the reality. All of you. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> you continue to think, well, I'll make more this year, and they're going to find more of a way to get it. That's just the way that it works in this world, unfortunately. God's not that way. God wants to bless you. And here's what he knows about you. First and foremost, God knows our needs. God knows our needs. God knows your needs. God's not trying to take away from your needs. He's not trying to keep you broke. God actually gives promises in his character is a lot different than that. He knows that our needs are things that he can supply. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He knows what we need. But what happens is in our lives as people, we get our needs and our wants confused. For example, if you pull out that nice pocket computer in your, maybe your wallet or your purse right now. I mean, we just can't live without that thing, can we? <laughs> we can't sit it down, can't turn it off, uh, can't do life without it. And so that's become what? A need. <laughs> we need it so much that we'll pay over 100 bucks a month, right? <laughs> to make sure that that thing stays on. Um, oh, and we need this new app and it's got in purchases for that. So we need that too, right? Um, and isn't it funny how in our lives we are easily convinced to drop money 
on wants described as needs instead of taking care of what we need first before we have leftover for what we want. I've said this before in a message related to this passage. Um, if you want to become obedient in your tithing, act your wage. Act your wage. If you want to become obedient in tithing, then begin to look at how much you come in and act your wage. You make a certain amount. And if you were to say, I'm going to start this year being obedient with God with 10%. Okay, well, you can't spend 110%, which is what most of us do, by the way. That's the statistic of Americans. You can't spend 110% of the 100% that you make and expect to give 10% to God. You're going to go broke. It will happen. You will get in debt when you allow the needs to be outmeasured by your wants. In this passage, God is telling his people, look, I know what you need. And those needs are for his blessing on their crops, on their families, which would be their jobs, their income, their resource. Their blessing and not for destruction on that. God knows what they need. And God says, I want to bless that. He also knows not only what we need, he knows what's best. God knows what's best. Here's what I know about the character of God. He would not ask any of us to do this. Whether it was in our tithes and offerings, or let's be honest, whether it's in a step of faith in your life. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new location. Maybe it's a new opportunity. God wouldn't ask you and lead you to do something where he's going to harm you. He knows what's best for you. And when he communicates to his people here about the tithes and offering, he knows what's best. It's not best to rob him to try to trick him, to outmaneuver him, or to be cursed. Wow. Because that's what the prophet said. The reason nothing works is because you're living under a curse. You want to remove the curse? Return to God. God will return to you. You want to be blessed? Give to God. And guess what's going to happen? You give to God, guess what's going to happen? God's going to give to you. He knows what's best. He knows how to do that. And when I know that God is constant. And when I know that he knows us, me, you, and I know that he knows what's best, then I know that I can trust him. And that's the third thing. If I follow this pathway as a practical step in my life, as an action step of my heart and my faith, I know that he offers blessings for obedience every time. I know that God will offer blessings for obedience and I insert every time. God blesses obedience every time. This past week I did funeral service for one of our dear members, family member in this church. Um, and they were telling the story of, of one of the deceased. And as they were talking about this lady's passing, her sister spoke up and said, Well, you know how competitive we were as sisters? We were sitting in church when we were kids and my sister nudged me and said, I want to get saved. I'm going to go up front and tell the preacher and I want to get saved. You remember those days, right? Back in that day. Well, she, she nudged her sister and told her that. And her sister got up first and went down there to tell the preacher, said, you're not beating me to get saved, right? 
And as I was talking with him about this at that funeral, I was like, you know what's funny is low motive is better than no motive. Especially when it comes to salvation, it comes to faith. Low motive is better than no motive. Yeah, you're not going to beat me to get right with God. I'm going to get right first. And she did. She beat her sister down the aisle to pray with Jesus. Like, oh, man. And they were telling this story and laughing at the funeral, etc. But I was thinking about it. When it comes to obedience, low motive is better than no motive. Hey, God, I don't know, but I'm going to obey you. And when it comes to our tithes and offerings, sometimes we have no motive. That's what the people of God had then. What good does it make? It doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference or bless me. And God said, how about some obedience? Because what he says is, if you will, then I will. If you will, if you will be obedient, then I will do something for you. That's a pretty good agreement, I think. Maybe your motive is low motive. God, I just need to be obedient. I don't feel it. Don't, don't think I have it. Don't know what to do. Maybe your motive just needs to be, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. Because God says, well, if you'll be obedient there, then I can bless your obedience. Here's, here's what obedience brings us. Number one, protection. What does God say? I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. That's one of the first promises of blessing to obedience. Protection. I would say this, when I look at how God provided for this church and his people during two pandemics, two hurricanes, and a crazy world around us, and I look and I see the total process of that, a lot of us need to thank God for his protection over our families, our homes, our income, and our opportunities. Right? I will keep the pests... From destroying your world. Now if that isn't real. I don't know what is. God thank you for keeping the pest. Out of my wallet. Out of my business. Out of my checkbook. Out of your retirement account. Now again the Fed's always going to come for that. But we're not worshiping the Fed. We're worshiping the Lord right. Thank you God. For the way that you work. Because the way that you work brings. Protection. It also brings provision. God's obedience brings provision. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Well, none of us in here are, are vineyard owners, right? So like that may not resonate with us. But basically the communication is what you do will be prosperous. What you do, God will provide for you through that. And if what you do comes to a stopping point... He will provide another way to take care of you. Your fruit is not going to fall off the vine prematurely. That's part of God's provision. And he provides for those who trust him. Cleansing is a fourth one. What is a blessing of God? Cleansing. God tells them, return to me and I will return to you. God tells them. If you will return this way, then I will do all of this and bless you. You will be a delightful land. It's something about being right with God. How we give is a reflection of cleansing. You know that when you give, when I give, when we give to the Lord, it comes out of a very personal place. It's something that allows me to go in this area of my life, God... 
We're good. I'm trusting you. I feel your presence. That's why I still go old school, by the way. Last year, what was fascinating, and of course, over the last couple of years, more than half of the income for Calvary was digital. And that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. I like writing the check. Because there's something about that personally where I go, I have to personally do this. Now, it doesn't not, please keep doing it online, right? <laughs> please keep doing it digitally. But there's something personal about being involved in it. I think that's a part of a cleansing part of your worship. And then finally, it's something that allows us to feel close. All the nations will call you what? Blessed. All the nations will call you blessed. What will you be? Blessed. The Lord promises he will bless you. There will not be enough room, he says, to test him in this. That means the closeness, the testing, the blessing. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour it out on you. There's just something about these blessings of obedience that allow us to know our faith is moving forward. This morning, uh, here's what the reality is. I, I know that in reality, I was joking earlier, but the reality is a lot of times, perhaps even some of us as Christians, we go, what does it matter? Well, that's what God's people said then. And the answer was, it matters a lot. And you know what it matters to? God's got it. God's going to provide. God's going to do. You know what it matters to? matters to you because that's one of the very practical ways that you and your relationship with him can thrive and grow you'll know when something good happens god did it <laughs> when the breakthrough comes in a way that was supernatural you'll know god did it and you won't just kind of think it happened by coincidence that the good thing happened you'll know god did it because as a part of your faithfulness, he was faithful and he did something that we could not do ourselves. That's his character and his nature. And so as I look at this principle today, I think it's appropriate that as we go into 2022, as we think about our personal way of redeeming our lives and our time, yes, it always begins with your relationship with God. Yes, it is about having a vision for your life, but it also has to do, how do I honor God? with what he's given to me do i trust him with my tithe that's a tenth and my offerings that would be above that and here's the promise test him that's what he says test me test me and see if i don't throw up the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that you can't even contain can we pray together father as we all bow our heads right now and as we talk to you the act of faith and obedience today is very, very simple. For each and every one of us, in the midst of what you have given us, speak to us about our relationship to you through our giving. And God, very simply, for anyone who doubts, speak to them about what you can do when they trust you with it. Father, we thank you for this moment and we thank you for this time together as a church and we thank you for your goodness and your provision. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? 
we're going to have a moment of worship, but also it's a moment where perhaps you want to take the time and just examine your heart. Because I told you this message today is for the church. This message today is for the believer, the, the one who claims Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, you need to take this time and turn your attention, your heart upward and go, God, 2022, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to commit something new to you. And I'm going to trust you with my resource. And maybe as you worship, maybe you just kind of turn your hands upward to him and not inward and not holding on. God, I turn it in and you turn it upward. Hey, students, by the way, you're not immune from this. Let me just say that's not just your mom and dad that needs to always carry the freight in your life. If you want to be blessed, you get that $100, give 10 to God and watch what happens in your life. It's a principle. And right now, as we worship, we turn our attention to him. Maybe it's time for you to be able to say, God, that's what I want to do. And then when the service is concluded, you'll see we have gentlemen with baskets on the way out. Maybe today's your first day. Maybe you got to hold on and write the check today. Maybe you want to do it online like our online family and you want to use it digitally. It's a tool. We just want you to use the tool. And so maybe now you're prepared. I'm going to start this year, 2022. I'm going to start. When God's people do that, he blesses the house. When God's people do that, he blesses the house. So Father, we worship and we thank you for your provision. In Jesus' name, amen.